As countries around the world move to limit fossil fuel use and reduce carbon emissions, coal is an obvious target. Despite efforts in Canada to reduce its coal use, the world is a ways off from moving past coal as a way to generate heat and electricity. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10.3. Financial Post reporter Bianca Barty joins me to discuss why coal use is up and some of the obstacles to achieving a coal phase-out. Don't forget you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, we're even on Amazon Music now. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Bianca, when it comes to fossil fuels, coal is the one that seems to be only talked about in the context of needing to stop using it. I know that we could get into the debate over people saying we need to stop using fossil fuels altogether, but when it comes to that whole class of energy sources, coal seems to be at the top of the list. And people may not know exactly what all we use it for, so I guess at the basic purposes, what are the most common uses for it currently, either in Canada or around the world? Its primary use is for power generation. What we do with it is we mine thermal coal and we burn it and we use it to produce steam, which then powers wind turbines. And it is for decades, it had been the most primarily used energy source to produce electricity, to heat homes, to cool homes and to power factories, really. So despite the fact that it's used for power generation and as a heating source, activists and governments want to see us stop using coal full stop. Why is that? Part of it is it's the dirtiest fossil fuel. Compared to other energy sources, it produces some of the most greenhouse gases, therefore warming the earth. Mm -hmm. So considering that, and along with this growing urgency for climate action and climate change really coming to the forefront recently, governments mainly are becoming more alert to the impending perils of climate change. You saw with the IPCC report earlier this year that they put out a code red for humanity with their report signaling that we're extremely close to reaching 1.5 degrees Celsius of warming compared to pre-industrial levels. Mm -hmm. On top of that, we're on track to hit two degrees warming really quickly. So we're reaching this point in time where it's becoming too hard to ignore climate change. We're seeing the real impacts already. A major example, one could argue, is the BC floods we've seen, where there were huge mudslides and it caused significant damage to infrastructure. And more broadly, you're seeing floods in Europe and severe climate events, weather events that are impacting the globe. It's becoming too obvious to ignore. Mm -hmm. And it's becoming mainstream as well. I think maybe just a decade ago, there was still huge debate around climate change. They were uncertain of the realities of our fossil fuel use and and what role they were playing. But now they're they're starting to take note, right? Yeah, it's become more accepted. And there are significant economical threats to, again, going back to the BC floods, you saw that transport lines were down because of the mudslides. Trains couldn't get in and out of the province. Transport trucks couldn't move because whole highways had been torn down from the mudslides. So there are significant economic impacts we're facing it head on right now and with growing calls from the UN, 
from other international organizations, I think it's just too hard to ignore. Mm -hmm. That's why coal being one of the biggest contributors to CO2 production, it's an easier target to tackle and eventually try to phase out. Despite some countries like Canada and the U.S., acknowledging the concern about coal and trying to curb its use. Other countries have drastically increased its use in recent years. Like who are the big coal consumers around the world? The U.S. is definitely one of the biggest coal consumers. So is China and so is India. China was, when you look at some of the data from the International Energy Agency, China was the only country to actually up its coal usage in 2020. Meanwhile, many countries around the world, the coal usage dropped last year because of the pandemic, because of lockdowns, because factories shut down. India is also, as I mentioned, a big user of coal. And I believe 76% of its energy mix was from fossil fuels, but we know that's primarily coal. And then last year, China... I believe 66% of its energy mix was from coal. And then if you look at the U.S., I believe it was in 2020, just above 19% of its energy mix was made up of coal. So those are the three big players. And then the EU as well as a big consumer of coal on top of those three big players. Now, in Canada, what steps have we taken to reduce coal use in our electrical generation? And what has replaced it? So in Canada, it's kind of, we tackle it in a very Canadian way, province (laughs) by province. Yeah. (laughs) Ontario was a big user of coal. But recently, in 2014, they actually completely weaned off of the fossil fuel. And that began actually, though, in 2003 with the gradual phase out of coal usage, then being replaced by hydro and nuclear primarily. Some of the other big users of coal are Alberta, of course, and Nova Scotia, and a bit of New Brunswick and Saskatchewan as well. Alberta, through some policy initiatives over the last few years, and from the current government, actually, the conditions have been hostile towards the coal industry. So Earlier, there was a timeline set for 2061 for all coal power plants to go offline. Mm -hmm. But now that timeline has been accelerated significantly to now we're looking down in the next two years, we could see coal usage phased out entirely in Alberta. And I believe replacing that is natural gas. And in Nova Scotia, they're looking to power down coal or completely phase it out by 2030 as well. You mentioned natural gas being one of the replacements for coal. Obviously, in Canada, we also see power generation from nuclear plants as well as as hydropower in certain areas. How much cleaner is natural gas than coal? On a greenhouse gas emissions basis, you could say that it is cleaner. It produces about half as much CO2 compared to coal. But there are some downsides to it. So methane leaks are a huge issue when burning natural gas. And that is methane itself is a significant producer of greenhouse gas emissions and CO2. One could also argue that you're disturbing the environment and ecosystems when trying to build pipelines to transport natural gas. Mm -hmm. But then with coal, you're also trying to build railways and transport lines to 
transport the coal all over the place and it's typically open so the cars that transport the coal don't necessarily have a cover on top of it so that's also releasing harmful chemicals into the air too so there are two sides kind of to the coin really taking some of the downsides to natural gas out of the equation i understand that it's not a zero-sum game but you know if it is a cleaner burning fuel for power plants, why are we not seeing countries like China and India making larger moves toward natural gas? Is it just the availability of coal, the ease of transport compared to natural gas for which you need pipelines? What factors are coming into play for those countries? So we'll focus in on India for a quick moment. It relies heavily on coal for its power generation. It has significant stores of coal on top of that, the industry is a big employer and the infrastructure in the country is set up to supply electricity through coal. On top of that, they don't have a significant store of natural gas. And it's the same story in China. There's not a significant store of natural gas. And the infrastructure isn't set up in both countries, really, to take full advantages of natural gas. And then with India, the way the government is run, there are tie-ups between business and politicians. Mm -hmm. It could be a negative impact on politicians if they start immediately making moves away from coal. I mean, that's probably why we saw that India pushed to change the language from phasing out coal to phasing down coal usage at COP26. There's political considerations to getting rid of coal in, in a country like India, yeah. Yeah, it's difficult terrain to walk in India. Mm -hmm. And then in China, they are trying to make more investments in green energy usage as well. We saw that in their energy mix that green energies, renewables in 2003 in China only made up 16% of its energy mix. But by 2020, it made up close to a third. As well, more globally, natural gas is really expensive right now, even more expensive than coal because of the surging demand for it. So when you look at the economics of it, it just makes more sense to either focus on renewables or frankly, go back to coal because it's cheaper. We'll be right back. We're nearly two years into a global pandemic that has seen businesses shut down, businesses slow down, people not going to work, not driving as much, not traveling, staying in their homes. How did the COVID-19 pandemic change the demand for coal? And what has happened since countries have started to reopen and we've seen some economic recovery? I'll first quickly start off by saying that with growing recognition that action needs to be taken on addressing climate change. There had been major moves by governments to divest from coal and to shift to different energy sources. So with the pandemic, it's quite a bit of a long story, but essentially what happened was people had been locked in their homes, factories had shut down, ports, airports, they all were 
operating at significantly less capacity and perhaps even zero. They weren't operating at all. Mm-hmm. That began in the beginning of the pandemic. But then you see the emergence of vaccines come online and bring hope for the economic recovery. People are vaccinated. They're able to go out of their homes and buy more things, attend events in person. And so then you have a significant demand for goods and services. And we saw that in the pandemic, that there had been a significant amount of savings built up amongst consumers who were able to store some of that money earned because they weren't spending on traveling. They weren't spending on going to the salon or going to a concert. So when the reopenings kickstarted, that demand just surged significantly. Factories were trying to keep up with it. So that meant they needed more energy to meet this demand. But because there had been significant divestments in the coal industry, the capacity had reduced significantly. Coal plants had shuttered across the world The U.S. since 2013 had been declining its coal usage, shifting again to natural gas. And then on top of that, in China, there was also a campaign for miner safety that was also shuttering thousands of coal plants. So the capacity was quite limited. And then what we saw was a huge surge in prices for coal. I believe in October this year, the price for a ton of coal surged more than 300% to 231 US dollars. Wow. Before the pandemic, a ton of coal had been floating around the $50 range to $70 range. And then prices in China spiked significantly too in October. And part of that is the demand story. But another part of that is also, strangely enough, climate change. China had been contending with significant floods that limited its ability to pull it out of the ground. That meant it also had to import from elsewhere. And again, that contributed to prices skyrocketing. I mean, with prices as high as they are, does that make it harder for the industry and for countries to step away from it? It's hard to say. There are definitely short-term gains to be made, but ultimately the clock is ticking on coal. Mm -hmm. Climate change is becoming too blatant, too in-your-face to ignore. There already are significant moves by governments to phase down or phase out coal usage. A power plant in Alberta, I believe, recently switched from coal to natural gas because they recognize that the policy environment is becoming too hostile to really operate coal power plants. There are cheaper or cleaner alternatives to pursue. Natural gas might be one. Wind is one. Solar is one. The issue, though, with some of the renewables is battery storage capacity, because the technology there just isn't advanced enough to store wind energy and solar energy. You can't make the sun shine when you need it to shine. You can't make the wind blow when you need it to blow. The industry needs to figure out how to make it a viable energy source. But still, even until that happens, the clock is ticking on coal. Coal was a big topic of the recent UN climate conference in Glasgow, but countries stopped short of an agreement to phase it out. As you mentioned, it was a phase down of coal. What does that term mean, a phase down? Are there like limits or deadlines attached to that? And what did they come up with there? 
As far as I understand, the agreement was entirely just to phase down coal. And I think that itself was a bit disappointing because I don't believe there was a timeline set to phase out or phase down coal. But I think generally it's accepted. The year that many countries are latching on to is 2050 to become carbon neutral. And many developed economies have adopted that year. With China, we know that 2060 is the goal to become carbon neutral. In India, they came out with a big surprise at COP26 to become carbon neutral by 2070. Mm -hmm. The issue with phase out versus phase down and this was, I think, a very profound moment at COP26 when you saw that the president of the conference, Alok Sharma, he was nearly moved to tears over India and China's push to change the language from phase out to phase down usage of coal. And the reason that's so significant is because COP26 was seen as a way to reaffirm some of the commitments made at Paris and really drive home ambitions and objectives and plans to tackle climate change and to basically save the earth from catastrophic climate events. And when you phase down coal, you're not phasing out coal. (laughs) (laughs) And so it just prolongs its usage And it prolongs the fossil fuel basically contributing to climate change, which is disappointing as countries had gathered to drive a nail into the coffin of climate change causers. Even if we were to get rid of all the thermal coal that we use in the world, coal would still be a part of our lives, right? You know, there are other uses for coal. I mean, specifically, there there are a number of industrial processes that rely on it, correct? Yes, that's correct. What are some of the big uses for coal that, that aren't heating or, or electricity? Quickly, there's metallurgical coal and there's thermal coal. So what we've been talking about this entire time is thermal coal. Mm-hmm. Metallurgical coal is used to make steel. And a lot of people in the metallurgical coal industry will point out that it's actually integral to the green transition to producing renewables because steel is used in such things as wind turbines. Yeah, There is still the room to use metallurgical coal, but there are some alternatives coming online to help in the process of steel making, such as hydrogen gas. But again, as with battery storage technology, the advancements there aren't robust enough in order to have it be a viable option yet. So for a little while, we can see metallurgical coal continuing to remain in the picture, but there are technological advancements emerging to effectively make carbon neutral steel. Excellent. It's a fascinating discussion, Bianca. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. 10.3 is produced by Sean Knox theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Bianca Barty. More from her at financialpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.